1: A developing story in Cleveland as the Browns have opted to excuse quarterback Baker Mayfield from next week's mandatory minicamp as his days with the team are seemingly drawing closer to an end. After Cleveland traded the four to Sean Watson, it seemed apparent that Mayfield would no longer remain a Brown, especially after the team also signed Jacoby Brissett and Joshua Dobbs as backups to Watson. Head coach Kevin Stefanski addressed the decision on Mayfield earlier today.
2: Obviously that was a decision made between Uh, our organization, Baker and Baker's uh, team, uh, felt like that was the best uh, decision for both sides.
1: We're off and rolling here on NFL Live. We've got Damian Woody and Teddy Bruce here to see on your screen in just a second, but I am blessed to be joined in studio by Kimberly Martin. And we've got a lot to get to today. Kimberly, glad to have you in the house. And let's start, and let's go right to you, Teddy. Do we think that excusing Baker Mayfield from the team's mandatory minicamp is the right decision for Cleveland to make?
3: No, I don't think it's the right decision to make. Now I'll tell you why. Uh, well, unless they know how long Deshaun Watson's going to be suspended. I mean, because if it's a short suspension, you know, maybe Jacoby and Joshua Dobbs can hold the hold the ranks for about four games. But I don't know why you would want to go into a season with only Jacoby Brissett, who can play back, who can play quarterback capably. Yes, but Joshua Dobbs also, who's only attempted 17 passes in the league. Is there drama? Yes. Is it Baker Mays? field yes but this had been a perfect opportunity to get him in there and just put all of it aside and then go forward with possibly Baker depending how long the suspension is with for Deshaun Watson this roster as I look at it it can do special things so why wouldn't you want to be in the best possible situation when you get Deshaun Watson back that's all I'm thinking here would. That's all I'm thinking. I'm thinking about championships. I'm thinking about what's going to put you in the best situation to get them, and the best situation for them this year is to be in the best possible record when Deshaun Watson walks in that locker room, able to play quarterback for the Browns.
4: Yeah, bro. You know, just uh, you know, being former players, we we have a unique ability in the locker room to deal with all type of issues that that come our way, and I and I totally agree with you in this manner that. Listen. If I'm the Cleveland Browns, I'm not. I'm not dealing away or, or letting go of, of Baker Mayfield. This roster is ready-made. It's one of the most talented rosters in the National Football League. A roster that can compete for a Super Bowl championship this year. We don't know what the status of Deshaun Watson is going to be. Everyone's speculating four, six. You know, it could be. A, it could be the whole season. We don't know. But what I do know is that this Cleveland Browns roster has a plethora of talent. This is a roster that obviously Baker Mayfield is accustomed to, and he knows the personnel quite well. And so if I'm the Cleveland Browns, why would I deal away with an asset that can help me win
1: right now? Yeah, I think it probably boils down to this, Kimberly, is that Baker Mayfield's days as a Brown are either over mm-hmm. or close to being over. Yeah. And that begs the question that I've only asked you about 30 times so far <laughs> this offseason is are we any closer at this moment to a trade of Baker Mayfield from Cleveland?
5: As of this moment field no but the Browns understand they're looking to deal Baker Mayfield but as the guys are talking about they're not looking to just give Baker away for nothing Andrew Berry, the GM wants he wants to get stuff back for Baker and it's not just going to be hey we'll just pay the salary you just take this player the Browns understand the situation they're in. They also understand that they've moved on from Baker, but they do need that safety net. But that safety net can also be Jacoby Brissett. I heard Teddy talking about, I don't know how I would feel with, with Jacoby Brissett. Why wouldn't you want to have, be in the best position with this roster? But the Browns feel pretty good about Jacoby Brissett if he has to start. I think the rest of us looking at the situation think Baker would be a good safety net, but Baker also has to want to come to mandatory minicamp which he does not the browns understand that which is why he's been excused this drama it's an issue and that's why he's staying away
3: Yeah, yeah, you'd rather rather not deal with Baker Mayfield drama, but you'd rather deal with all the drama that you're going to have with Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. This is what I don't understand. All it is, all it is, is a little attitude you got to just squash for a little bit. Baker, you know what's best for you. We know what's best for us, okay? You want to get your money, come on in, play some games, show the league you're healthy, you're ready to go, help us win a little bit. Until our quarterback comes back in, you can do what's best for you, you can do what's best for us, and then we can split. I just don't think the Cleveland Browns are mature enough to handle a situation like this the right way.
1: We shall see, as of course, right now, Baker Mayfield remains a Cleveland Brown. In other news, out of Cleveland, the New York Times reported Tuesday that Browns quarterback, Deshaun Watson, booked massage appointments with at least 66 different women, over 17 months from fall 2019 through the spring of 2021. That number includes the 24 women who have filed civil lawsuits against Watson, including two in the past week. The New York Times also reported that the nondisclosure agreement that Watson gave to some of the women to sign came from the De- Texans' Director of Security. The Texans declined to comment on the NDA, but said in a statement that they first found out about the allegations against Watson in March 2021, when the first lawsuit was filed. Though two grand juries in Texas declined to pursue criminal charges against Watson earlier this year, the NFL is currently investigating whether he violated its code of conduct and interviewed the quarterback in person last month as part of its investigation. Here's Brown's head coach, Kevin Stefanski.
2: I think for me, I'm going to be respectful of the investigation of the legal proceedings. I'm going to let that play out. Yeah, I think we're repping uh, the quarterbacks appropriately right now. As more information comes available, you, you may modify and adapt what you do. But uh, for now, we're just making sure those guys are getting the work that they need. And I think part of uh, my job and certainly our players' job is to is to answer tough questions. Uh, and we want to be respectful of that process uh, and want to make sure we can Add what we can add when we can. Kimberly, the
1: Browns didn't just trade for Deshaun Watson. They traded away three first-round picks mm-hmm. plus multiple other picks and gave him $230 million fully guaranteed in a contract. What's the reaction been from the Browns as more and more news, at least to us, comes out about Deshaun Watson?
5: If you thought that the Browns were going to have a reaction today after this article... You haven't been paying attention Hmm. because they made the decision to trade for Deshaun Watson, give up the assets, give a record $230 million guaranteed to him despite the 22 different women who had filed lawsuits. And the Times article, as much as we're reacting to it, there has been no statement from the team. They're waiting for the league to act. They feel as though the two grand juries declined to to indict on criminal charges, and that means all systems go, that he's allowed to play, and he's going to play for us. The Browns want to get as close to football as they possibly can because when we get to football, that means they hope he can win games and win Super Bowls for them, and that is what this is all about.
1: Sounds like compartmentalization in some ways. Uh, Damian, this article Hmm. reported by Jenny Vrentis at the New York Times was full of Depths of information, much, I think, if not all, was brand new to many people like myself and yourself. What were you thinking when you read this article? Incredible reporting with all sorts of info that maybe 24, 48 hours ago, I didn't realize was part of this case.
4: Yeah, Phil, it's, um, you know, just reading man, it, man. Just, it's it, just all the information really is just stunning uh, to see it all unfold. And I know as, as, a, as a former athlete, I think Teddy Bruschi can can speak on this as well. Is that when it comes to our body, we are our own entity, we are our own company, and we have to maximize our ability day after day, week after week, year after year. And you do that by obviously, you know, massage therapists, people, acupuncture, all types of people that help you make sure you're physically able to go out there and perform at the top at the top of your ability. And most guys, I would say 99% of guys, when they find one person, whether it be massage therapist, whatever it is, they lock down that person, okay? It is not normal to go out there and <laughs> go out and get 60-plus women for, mas- for, a, for a masseuse. That is not normal behavior. It is predatory behavior, in my opinion, when you go out there and you're trying to you know, solicit that many people to perform that type of act. And so again, I'm just gonna repeat it again, that is not normal behavior by Deshaun Watson.
3: I played 13 years in the league and through massage therapists, acupuncturists, and chiropractors, there there were five people that worked on my body. And that's how it usually is. And that's how a lot of athletes know, just like Damien's talking about how specific we are, if you get something that doesn't work, a bad treatment, then it can affect you going into a game. And that's where you just can't have something like that. It affects your performance. So, this is alarming, and this just isn't going away. I mean, I've had conversations with my wife recently now—I've been out of the league a long time—just explaining what's going on with Deshaun Watson. So every time a Cleveland Brown player is asked about Deshaun Watson and he has to either—I don't know, do you voice support and voice about, okay, it's just about who he is when he enters the building, it's hard to do. And especially if you have strong beliefs on this field, you're right. Compartmentalize is the right word. because. I mean, he's your quarterback, and he's going to help you win games eventually. And you have and you have to make this work. I understand. You have to make this work. But this just isn't going away anytime soon because these lawsuits will continue into the offseason, and it's going to be a long, drawn-out process for the Cleveland Browns organization.
5: So I thought Woody said something that was really interesting. It's not normal. But the Browns and the other teams that were interested in Deshaun Watson, they raised the question of, but is it criminal? You know, having all these different masseuses, is that a crime? That's, the Browns and other teams who are interested in Deshaun Watson are comfortable living in the gray, comfortable saying, well, we weren't there, but we did our due diligence and we feel comfortable that Deshaun, what he's saying versus these women, we're okay with what we've uncovered. But here's the thing for the Browns. They have to bank on the fact that nothing else will come out going forward. They are tied to him for five years, $230 million guaranteed. They are tied to him, GM Andrew Berry, the Haslams. This is their decision, and they're going to ride with Deshaun because he's such a good football player. Well,
1: if any more information comes out the Browns were not previously aware of, or if anything yesterday was not something they were aware of as well, then I'm not sure they did enough of their own due diligence.
7: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
6: There you see him, the two names
1: in the center of the Steelers quarterback competition, Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, the vet and the rookie. They're going to compete for the job this summer, but for now, they're working their way through OTAs. This is like elementary school at this point of the off season. and just within the last hour, each of them spoke, hear what they had to say. We got a great quarterback room. I
7: like the guys we got in there. We've Also, been building relationships in there as well. So it's it's competitive every day, but at the same time, uh, with my experience, I'm helping the young guys. I feel like when I communicate with them, it also helps me uh, talk through this offense, and I feel like I get to know it that much better as well.
1: Yeah, um, the mentor word, I mean, I don't think it's, like I said, it's not his job to just sit there and teach me. I'm going to ask
2: questions. I'm going to watch him. It's really my job to ask questions and to learn from him and watch how he does things. There's kind of a fine line between that mentoring thing, but uh, we have a great relationship, and everything's going smoothly.
1: No one better to talk Steelers with than our great ESPN NFL Nation Steelers reporter, Brooke Pryor, who was at the facility today talking to the players and the coaches. Brooke, good afternoon. And what does what the team had to say about the quarterback competition that's at least going on now will really heat up later on this summer?
0: Look, Field, I don't want to get you too excited because it is June, but I did watch a quarterback lead a two-minute drill with crowd noise in Pittsburgh today. Granted, (laughs) the crowd noise was coming from an iPod, and they were in shorts, but... Mitch Trubisky ran a two-minute drill. They scored in it. It was a touchdown pass to Chase Claypool. Yesterday, they also simulated a game-like two-minute drills at the end with Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph. Neither one of those guys scored. Uh, Mason Rudolph was picked off. Kenny Pickett uh, had a really nice completion to Connor Hayward but just ran out of time. Look, quarterbacks coach Mike Sullivan told me it's not going to be perfect right now. These guys are trying to earn their white belts in jiu-jitsu. And Sullivan would know about that. He's actually a purple belt in jujitsu. White belt is the very first one. It's what you earn after you kind of set the foundation for everything that you're learning. I asked Kenny Pickett about that. I said, do you feel like you're earning your white belt? And he said, I know one thing's for sure. I don't have a black belt in anything. So everyone is still learning. Like you said, it's elementary school right now in this quarterback competition.
1: I learned two things. Don't mess with Mike Sullivan, their quarterback coach, and Brooke. Go find that iPod because I think they just got discontinued. Whoever (laughs) owns that might have themselves a hidden treasure they could sell on eBay for like a million bucks a little bit later on in the future. Thanks as always, Brooke. All right, so last season, the Steelers posted a total QBR as a team of just 35.9, by far the lowest mark of any team that actually made the playoffs. The next closest two teams were the Eagles and 49ers. Both had at least a 13-point gap. In fact, last season, Pittsburgh became just the third team to make it a postseason with a sub-40 QBR. That metric was introduced back in 2006. All right, Damian Woody, uh, I want to know what level of belts you already have. But more importantly, uh, can they get enough out of either of these quarterbacks to make it back to the playoffs?
4: You know, that's an interesting question, Field. I, I go back to the offseason to what Mike Tomlin talked about as far as the quarterback position. He wanted to get more mobility out of the quarterback position. We know that Big Ben towards the latter, latter part of his career really was a statue back there. And, and in today's game, we have seen a lot of these quarterbacks being able to make plays off-platform and and out of the pocket with their legs. And I think when you look at Mitchell Trubisky, you know, he was a polarizing guy, you know, during his time with the Chicago Bears. And I think he, you know, went, going to Buffalo, really had an opportunity to kind of, you know, sit back behind Josh Allen and kind of reset everything that, that was going on with his career. And now moving over to the Pittsburgh Steelers, he gets an opportunity to, um, to display that, that dimension that Mike Tomlin was talking about, the running and being implemented in this offense. So I think Mitch Dubisky has a has a great opportunity with the weapons around him to really uh, really elevate that quarterback position.
3: Yeah, so we'll see how they use him. I mean, the play calling in Pittsburgh should be dramatically different than when you had Ben Roethlisberger standing there and then getting rid of that ball in one and a half seconds. And that's the way basically a lot of times they ran the football in terms of short short passes. Um, this Pittsburgh, but this is the Pittsburgh Steelers, so the, do they realistically have a chance to win the North? I don't think so. Mm. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have passed them. They passed them even when they had Ben Roethlisberger last year. But this is a team that has a defense that's special. Defensive player of the year and T.J. Watt. I mean, they are so good run game defense specialty. And Mike Tomlin's a great coach. You know those teams that, you know, they're mathic, ma- mathematically possible in the playoffs, but realistically, it's, it's not possible. I think that's, the, that's what we'll get with the Pittsburgh Steelers come week 16, week 17. They'll be competitive by the time the year ends up finishing. But in terms of the North, I think it's past them for now.
1: Uh, As we all know, by the way, Mike Tomlin has never finished a season under 500. I've also confirmed that the highest belt you can achieve in jiu-jitsu is a red belt. That's something for all of us to aim for as we begin our new favorite (laughs) activity.
7: What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as 3 weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations spelled dot com slash tackle rules and restrictions may apply
1: the commander's quarterback carousel spun once again this offseason as the team's ready for carson wentz from the colts marked the second trade with wentz in as many off seasons but he is settling into his new home as the washington
2: starter take a listen I have a lot of expectations for this offense and just seeing you know, little flashes of what I think we can be. Um, obviously, it's not perfect. That's why it's OTAs. That's why we're out here. Um, kind of throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what sticks and what, who we're going to be as an offense. But um, it's been a lot of fun, and I have a lot of high hopes for this team.
1: So Washington is hoping that Carson Wentz can solve their quarterback woes, at least in recent years. Ron Rivera took over as the head coach back in 2020. And since then, the commander's ranked 30th in team total QBR and 29th in both. Yards per dropback and touchdowns per pass attempt. They've also started a league high six different quarterbacks over that span. Earlier today, Commander's defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio addressed the media and was asked about a recent tweet in which he seemed to question why the coverage of the Capitol riots on January 6th of this year had been different than some of the events during the initial stages the Black Lives Matter movement in the summer of 2020 following the death of George Floyd. Del Rio was tweeting in response to an article with coverage on the forthcoming trials surrounding the Capitol riots and had this to say on Twitter. As you can see here in just a moment, we'll love to understand, quote, the whole story about what the summer of riots, looting, burning and the destruction of personal property is never discussed. But this is hashtag
2: common sense. Here's Del Rio addressing it earlier today. I think we all as Americans have the right to express ourselves, especially if you're being respectful. I'm being respectful. I just asked a simple question. Really, did I, let's get right down to it. What did I ask? A simple question. Why are we not looking into those things? We're going to talk about it. Why are we not looking into those things? Because it's kind of hard for me to say I can, realistically look at it, I see the images on TV, people's livelihoods are being destroyed, businesses are being burned down, no problem. And then we have a dust-up at the Capitol, well, there's no, nothing burned down, and we're not gonna talk about, we're gonna make that a major deal. I just think it kind of two standards. And if we apply the same standard, and we're gonna be reasonable with each other, let's have a discussion. That's all it was.
1: All right, so Teddy, I'll ask you this first. Uh, How is all of this going to play out for players in the locker room as they hear this from their defensive coordinator?
3: Well, I just think – they're going to look at coach, coach Del Rio and just say, Coach, you took it a little too far, man. I mean, I understand. You can all see what, he, what he's trying to say. But when you refer to the capital uh, attack as a dust-up, I mean, people died. And so we're just—you're taking it a little too far. This is why I want my, co- my football coaches to talk about football. And that's about all. Mm. So, I mean, especially when we're in mini camps, let's just focus on what we got to do, Coach. Now this is a little bit of a distraction. You talk about the word compartmentalized field. That's what you got to do again here. I mean, I've had many teammates, okay, that I've had disagreements with in the locker room over social issues. But it's like, listen, you just don't know what you're talking about. You disagree, and it's okay to disagree, and then you move forward from there. But that happens a lot in a locker room. You can have those discussions with your coaches also, but this is just part of the process here. Del Rio misspoke. Del Rio... Hmm. I do not like the way he described that attack in January 6th as a dust-up. That's how a lot of players probably can feel. But he's also the type of player that probably you can go to and talk to man-to-man.
5: So, Phil, this is why I found his entire statement problematic. Because Jack Del Rio is a coach who is literally making a living off the backs of black players. His, the league is made up primarily of black individuals. And for him to draw this vague connection and this vague parallel between the, you know, uh, the si- people protesting based off of the systematic killing of unarmed black people by police, like that's the core of the issue for Black Lives Matter. You can say I don't approve of looting or rioting. I hate to see that, but I understand I understand the anger. I understand what these players are saying. I understand what these communities are feeling. You can say that, but he hasn't expressed any understanding for the root cause of why these protests were happening. And then to equate it to an insurrection at the Capitol, which seven people died, four police officers killed themselves. To call that a dust up is just disrespectful. And he has said, Players have never come to me. In my time in Washington, players have never had an issue with anything I've said. At least they haven't come to me publicly. And if they would, I would sit down with them. That is great. But a lot of players understand that the league that talks about, we understand about, we care about our players, we care about social justice. You have moments like these where your coaches or your owners speak and let you know what they really think and that is a difficult thing for a lot of players. Even though some guys in this locker room like Jonathan Allen said we have no issue with Del Rio who's well liked in the in the back of their minds for some of these players, they're not going to forget these statements.
4: You know, it just uh you know, I really had to ponder this this whole topic before we got on before we came on the show mm-hmm. and you know, just to hear, you know, Jack Del Rio talk about dust up. And you guys mentioned it, dust up. You're talking about a you know, insurrection, a, a, a mob trying to overthrow overthrow the government where seven people died. And that's a dust-up. And trying to equate what happened in the, in the summer of 2020 in the aftermath of the, of the killing of George Floyd, it's just ridiculous. And as a, as a, as a black man in, in, a, in, in a league where 70, 75 of percent of the locker room are African-American, you know, that whole incident, that whole summer of 2020 hits home for a lot of players mm. and their communities. And so as a player, you're sitting there thinking, looking at, you know, looking at Jack real like, hmm, where, where is it? What angle is this dude coming from? What is this dude talking about? Trying to equate one thing with another? Trying to equate what happened in, 20, in the summer of 2020 with overthrowing the government? Are you kidding me right now? But I think Teddy Brucey brought up a good point. The locker room is a melting pot. Mm. It's a great social experiment. And the one thing that happens in the locker room is players are able to compartmentalize these issues, complex issues, for the greater good of the team. Because at the end of the day, players from the Washington Commanders still have to go out there And play 17 games this year. Regardless of how you feel about your coach, your teammate, you still got to go out there for one cause, and that's try to win football games.
1: Yeah, we'll see whether it has any impact in the locker room or not. But curious comments, and the NFL always talks about not wanting unwanted distractions, at least for a day. We have one in D.C.
7: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple.
2: He reels it in at
1: the 15! It's Cooper Cup! You are a bad, man. Oh, you are bad man. This is to win the Super Bowl, let's go. Cooper Cup's
0: in the end zone. Stafford sees him. Touchdown, Cup. The Rams have taken the lead! Cooper Clutch! I love you, man. Whatever happens, I love you.
2: We feel like he deserves a raise. Cooper Cup. he is next on the list.
1: Last season, Cooper Cup had one of the best receiving seasons ever. He recorded the second most receptions and receiving yards in a single season all time. But despite that historic season, Cup's contract averages just north of $15 million per year. And I just checked my notes that currently places him 19th amongst wide receivers. So Kimberly, we just got the Aaron Donald deal done in Los Angeles, Angeles is a massive, massive raise on tap here for Cooper Cup.
5: Field, that's a great word. You can't say massive. Will it be massive? It'll be great when the Rams get him back and re-signed. But Cooper Cup has made it clear that he does not want to reset the market. He wants to do what is best for everyone. And he understands there's a bigger picture. If I eat up a ton of space, then that means that's less room for other guys. Now, Aaron Donald, as you said, just (laughs) signed a massive, massive deal as well. So I think Cup understands that He just wants to get in where he fits in. This is a team that can repeat a Super Bowl chance and he's good with that, but he will never have as much leverage as he does right now and he's thinking about the team, not himself.
1: It's so interesting because I respect every player that earns every single dollar that he Mm -hmm. has earned. You also respect these players that just say, hey, you know something? I'm good with whatever, $25 million Mm -hmm. per year. It can help us help other players stick around. It's sort of an interesting dichotomy, but both a lot of respect for each approach that these players may or may not take and we've told you about Cooper Cup's contract. How about his new teammate? He was asked about playing alongside Allen Robinson, signed from Chicago this offseason. Have a listen.
2: Yeah, he's been great. I mean, again, I've touched on it um, a couple weeks ago, just what he's um, done in terms of just his mental aptitude and what he's learned um, and what he is as a football player. It's been so much fun to be able to collaborate with him. So I'm um, very excited about what he, what he brings to us um, and really excited for you know, being able to get to training camp really start competing and then, you know, heading into the season. I just think there's um, there's a lot of potential for us to, be able to go do some really, spe- really special things, but we have to stack the blocks day by day um, and build into that. All
1: right, Teddy, I'll start with you here. Can Allen Robinson jump in and replace the combo of definitely Robert Woods and possibly Odell Beckham Jr., who's still a free agent right now, from last season?
3: Oh, that's a... That's a lot of production and a lot of leadership, especially from Woods and Odell Beckham Jr., of course, being as explosive as he is. I don't know if he can do all of that field, but ma- definitely become a major contributor. I mean, this is a good football player in Allen Robinson playing wide receiver that came from places, a place that he doesn't know what winning is like. And I think, I think that's the biggest value of Allen Robinson to the Los Angeles Rams, them as world champions, okay, they're going to see a guy that hasn't had a lot of team success and they're going to see how hungry he is. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's very important for Allen Robbins to go there and show them that hunger that although you are the Super Bowl champions, I'm here, I haven't done anything, You don't really, it, I don't really care what you did last year and show them what that hunger really is. For us, repeating, it was Corey Dillon when he came in. Yeah. Someone you want to win for. And the way Cooper Cup is talking about Allen Robinson, it's almost like he's starting to be viewed as that, that guy, that this guy is a baller. You respect him, respected yeah. him for so long, you want to go out and win another one for this guy.
1: Yeah, Robinson really never had the chance to win big. Yep. And did I mention, Kimberly, that Odell Beckham Jr. is still a you free might agent? might
5: have said that, Field. Yeah, Maybe, worth yes. bringing it
1: up one more time. So he's still a free agent. Yep. Still not recover from that ACL tear suffered in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Probably won't be for a while, are we any closer to him getting a deal, L.A. or elsewhere?
5: I love the timing, though, of Odell showing up randomly at Sean McVay's wedding because it just signals this is going to happen. You just think it's going to happen. It makes too much sense not to happen. Even when Odell was with the Giants, there was rumors that he wanted to get to L.A. Now he's in L.A. Being that he's not healthy, there isn't any... um, There isn't any sense of urgency to sign him right now, but he's a signing where you get him in the building November, December. He's that late postseason push that you're trying to make. This is a roster that is stacked. You don't need him as your number one, but you know that he will ball and he will score touchdowns at will. So you guys just won a Super Bowl with him. And I expect him to be back in the Okay,
1: that will be interesting. And Damian, Teddy just mentioned Corey Dillon and the infusion of energy he brought. Mm-hmm. That was the last time we saw any team repeat as Super Bowl champions, the Patriots back in 2003 and 2004. So are the Rams, at least as currently constructed, are they set up to repeat this year?
4: Well, listen, the Rams are a very good football team. You got Matthew Stafford going in his second year into the system. He should be able to play at a higher level, cut back on the interceptions. Cam Akers, who towards Achilles in training camp last year and miraculously came back at, at the end of the season, he should be a lot better, you know, a lot further along, you know, as far as his, his productivity is concerned. But I, I go back to this field. I go back to, and you brought it up, the, there hasn't been a repeat champion since 03-04. That's almost 20 years. Mm. You know why? It is so hard to do. And Teddy can speak on this as well. Every week, every team is bringing their A game. You will watch a team on film and think, "Okay, I think we got we got these guys." And these teams are playing you just as what you are—a Super Bowl champion—and yep. you have to go through that for 17 weeks in a season. That is very hard to do. So I love the Rams roster. It is just mentally, ta- you know, taxing to go through a season go through a gauntlet with all those teams gunning for you like that.
1: And you become the hunted. You're no longer the hunters Mm -hmm. in the NFL. And part of the reason why it's going to be tough to repeat, that division they are in, as you may have heard.
7: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: On NFL Live, our Bucs reporter, Jenna tweeted this video of Tom Brady letting childhood cancer survivors cover his hair, color his hair for the Bucks annual cut and color for a cure event. Tremendous stuff there from Tom Brady, who, you know what? He's Tom Brady. Of course he makes that, that red pewter. <laughs> That's red. Red color hair looks good. And from Brady to Bill Belichick. As we play a little game of read and react now where we head to Foxborough. You know, Bill Belichick wasn't afraid to get in the trenches and put in the work with his offense. Look at him right there. He's 70 years old, shotgun snapping to Mac Jones. Uh, and, of course, he had to be asked about it the day later. Take a listen to what Belichick had to say earlier today.
2: Well, uh, I don't know if I've ever seen you play center in practice. Did you have a little fun? Getting your hands on the ball and stuff? Uh, yeah, sure.
1: Typically for both Belichick <laughs> right there. Damian, uh, you played 63 games at center for the Patriots. Uh, any tips ever from Belichick based off of his long story history at Wesleyan where you played the position?
4: No, it looked like Bill needed to give me tips because he shotgun snap better than I ever did during <laughs> my playing career. So look at him. He's looking real spry, you know, snapping the ball. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's looking really good right there, man.
3: Woody, hey Woody, hey Woody, you did struggle at them shotgun snaps a little bit, but hey, let me give you my best, best, uh, my Bill Belichick on Bill Belichick at center. Hey Bill, this ain't the NSCAC, buddy. Wow. You're not playing oh, hey, against hey, Tucks hey, or anybody hey, yeah, yeah. like
1: that. Okay? <laughs> Get out of here. Take
3: it easy, <laughs> take it
1: easy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Worth noting that both Kimberly and I went to Wesleyan, where Bill Belichick went as well. So of course the Carlos are having a big day.
3: Always. I'm Do we, we talk about the or the uh, they're,
1: they're okay, I guess. No, no. Wesleyan or bust. Uh, the Wesleyan Cardinals, who are the rear, real Cardinals, but the other Cardinals, the NFL version, they're out in Arizona. And after appearing at OTAs last week for the first time this offseason, Kyler Murray is not in attendance this week. And it's been a topic of conversation. We all know that that's going to be something that Cliff Kingsbury is going to be asked about 9,000 times over the next couple of months, unless a deal is reached before then. But, Kimberly, let's start here. Do we have any sense on where the relationship between Kyler and the Cardinals front office is right now as we are awaiting a potential new deal?
5: This is so fascinating, Field, because as of right now, it seems all is quiet on the contract talks. But Steve Kime, the GM, has made it clear recently Kyler is their future. And we expect that we assume that a deal will get done this summer. The question is when this summer. Mm. But they've already paid Cliff Kingsbury. The Cardinals understand how good Kyler is. They understand that they cannot be a team without a quarterback because right now with these young guns, you cannot have a team, a roster that doesn't have a quarterback that can get you to the playoffs and potentially win you a Super Bowl. So they understand what's at stake. They want to get him signed to an extension. The question is when, not if.
3: Yeah, Kim, I mean, this is this is just something where, I mean, if I'm a veteran in the locker room, you, you got to get Kyler in there. And feelings are hurt, quarterbacks and their feelings every single offseason. Is it about unfollowing (laughs) on social media? Is it about not having a contract and all of this stuff? So people like Woody and myself, when they finally get back in the locker room, we got to make sure everything's okay, all right? And Kyler being young, (laughs) Kyler being so—yeah, much, Kyler being young, that's what you got to do as a veteran leader. You got to get the best out of him for one season, because you don't know what the drama is going to be next season. You hope everything works out and he's happy, but it's just something that veterans got to deal with because you've got a quarterback that's sensitive. And I say sensitive in a nice way because can Kyler Murray come in and just, can he be the leader of the locker room? Because that's, that's who players like me and Wood, we want you to take the reins, quarterback. You got to be the one that everybody looks to. And right now, I don't see that in Kyler Murray being that guy.
4: Yeah, Teddy, you alluded to it, man. There's been questions about Kyler Murray's leadership on that team. And it just seems like there's always some type of drama that swirls this organization. You know, we've seen over the past couple of years, you know, towards the end of the season, how they've fallen off a cliff. And when you look at their whole di- dynamic with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, it's always one thing or another. We got the contract situation. You got DeAndre Hopkins, who's going to be suspended mm-hmm. for the first six games yeah. of the upcoming season. We saw clearly the effect that that had on Kyler Murray's play uh, at the end of last season. So, look... If I'm the Cardinals organization, get the contract thing done. Get it it over with, okay? Because the last thing you need is your quarterback to be in his feelings about the contract so you can eliminate that distraction and focus on what's important, football.
1: You know, Damian, sometimes these contract stories are sort of vehicles for us talking about the team at large. And you mentioned no DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games of the season. The Cardinals have traditionally started better than they have finished with Kyler Murray as their quarterback. But you look at their first three games this year. How concerned are you for this team, especially not having DeAndre Hopkins, because how's this for an opening three games? The Chiefs, the revamped Raiders in Las Vegas, and then you get the Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions, at home. I mean, that could be a difficult hold they're going to dig themselves potentially into. It's not the NSCAC.
3: Wow. <laughs> wow.
5: Wow, Teddy, still doing this. No, mm-mm. Don't like it. Don't like this.
1: Well, you know I'm just going to leave it there. You know, I was <laughs> going to have a thoughtful conversation, but I'm going to a season, so yeah, all right. Say, Teddy, don't let me compare the Arizona Wildcats football record to the Wesleyan Cardinals football record last year. It's time now for one more thing before we go. Uh, take a listen to 49ers left tackle Trent Williams talking about his reaction to Aaron Donald's new contract that, of course, was signed this week.
3: Yeah, I wish
4: he would have retired, but, I mean, I mean, he deserves a contract. Obviously, we all know what he can do. Uh, I do not not know him on a personal level. Um, you know, I like competing against him.
1: Um, brings out the best in all of us, so, you yeah. know. Teddy, who's the guy that you wish had retired early at some point during his career?
3: Field, if Michael Strahan would have retired one year early. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there wouldn't be anything. Maybe not an 18 and one because Stray absolutely crushed us in the Super Bowl 07. we ate, We're 18 and 0. Okay, we going for a 19 and 0. Mark Stray hand and that defensive line. He was talking about retiring. Stray, you should have took off and we would have got that game. Stray, what'd you have to do that for? <laughs> you got one quickly, Damien, or no?
4: Yeah, I'm going Cam Wake, man, the defense end from the Dolphins. Yeah. That dude gave me all types of hell at the end of my career. He was I'm a like, beast. i was like, man,
1: get the heck, can you get the hell out of here, please? A beast from the CFL. <laughs> NFL Live is back tomorrow. Watch the NBA Finals tonight.